But yeah, I caught a, I caught a, a, a goldfish in a park pond. Well, you this, caught a goldfish this week, so I thought that that was, you know, something I can cross off my fishing Pokedex. Did you feel bad for catching a goldfish? No, apparently they're very invasive and they're um a th- like a threat to ecosystems. So well, fuck him. Yeah, fuck but it was like the size of my foot. It was. It was that big? It was almost like a cartoon. It was. It was weird. So how do they when we go to like PetSmart? And Pekka, why are they so small? Because they're in such small tanks. Apparently, uh, goldfish are always growing. As long as they have food, they'll keep growing. They'll just grow and grow. Um, except if their body of water is too small, then they can't grow. So, people. Wow. But I guess the reason that this park has them is because people released them because they didn't feel like flushing <laughs> them down the toilet. And people released like two or three Way at a time or something. And yeah, there's now there's like a thousand in that park pond. It was crazy. You could see them all shimmering through from the, the top. Yeah, from that's the top. wild. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Bro Taste This. We break down wine, talk about Luis's digestive issues, and Juan's political issues. And I'm a great listener. Bonsoir, bonjour, bon après-midi. Welcome back to another episode of Bro Tasteless, where we talk about food, wine, the news, and our childhood trauma. Today, we have on the episode Juan Legend. I am Luis Pablo, and we are missing Jay motherfucking May, but he is here in spirit. He had some personal matters to take care of, so we wish him the best. Uh, Drop some love in his social media hit that subscribe button hit that subscribe hit button. that thumbs up make sure you share this episode with your closest co-workers so that you ruin your friendship with them after they listen to the absurdities we put up let's just make sure they know you are a crazy person after they listen to this so uh jay motherfucking may wherever you are uh god bless and he we're will be back about next you, week buddy. yeah we're thinking about you buddy hope uh, hope you're good uh juan legend i know he did a uh a small thing we were talking about so we, we wanted to carry that onto the podcast so you were asking me about some of the health issues i've had which is one of the ongoing themes about this podcast <laughs> is my that constant. is one of the through lines that we've had since episode one yeah our health issues are many different random health issues but yeah i was just asking you about um whether your job obviously provided um some sort of health care or health care benefit and I was wondering if you used it, how much of your health care costs that covered for you, and if you've like maybe had to ha- use it in a larger, like more costly incident. Yeah. Or has it all been minor? No, it, it, it definitely does depend because what I, I mean, I had kind of a shitty year for medical uh, expenses because I had a small lump form in between my belly button and my groin. So my first thought was, this is a hernia. However, when I went to go get it checked, it wasn't hard enough for them to assume it's a hernia. So what it was was actually um, uh, a hair follicle. So it was an ingrown hair that I actually filled up with bacteria. So they had to cut it open and uh, drain it. So three different times in the course of a week, I had to go to the uh, hospital and with like a fucking scalp it would fill up that fast yeah well what what they did was they it was like 
maybe half an inch th- like wide. Yeah. But it was right in my stomach, so it fucking hurt. So imagine someone taking a knife and just cutting a hole in your arm or anywhere in your body. I mean, it hurt. No, I feel you. It was just, it's a little intense that it had to happen. Right. Day, another day happens and it happens again. Within the course of yeah. like, yeah, within the course of uh, a week, I had gone three times. Um, and then they wanted me to come back a fourth to like double check. And I'm like, I'm not coming back. I yeah. just straight up told them, like, well, I mean, cause it is expensive. Like yeah. even if you do have a copay, like at the end of the day, I mean, you're still paying for all the shit that you're being serviced. Like they're not going to be like, that was my question. Like they don't have a loyalty program. Exactly. Like <laughs> I'm, I am a, a plebeian. I'm a poor. So I we haven't yeah. had access to proper health insurance. Use it 100% though. Yeah. But they're trying to charge me almost like $2,000 for an MRI. And I'm like, well, they also, yeah. God damn. It's like, how am yeah, I going to save lot. up for a wedding for with that? <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, the good thing about it is that there's different ways to like pay for it and make up like, you know, $2,000 is a lot. They're not expecting $2,000 off the bat, are they? No, I don't think so. No, but... they'll, they'll end up billing you and then you can end up paying for it like a payment plan and set it up. And yeah, so there's all different ways. But yeah, if you have insurance through work, I recommend using it and getting whatever you want to get figured out, figured out because. I mean, we won't get personal, but like, uh, like I've had prostate fa- uh, cancer in my family. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've like uh, committed to doing next year is like, all right, let me get everything checked. <laughs> Give me all the fingers. <laughs> you need to shove five up there. <laughs> just spit roast me. Just put some in my mouth, put some in my ass. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Uh, but Alrighty. yeah, no, man, it's, it's tough. And it's also yeah. a tough decision to make as a young man because we're yeah. both under the age of 30. I'm much closer to 30 than you are. By like a year, I guess. Yeah, much closer, <laughs> much no. much closer. <laughs> but it is, it is something that I recommend getting checked out. Yeah. Uh, so today on the podcast, we will be actually tasting two different wines. Do you want to say what they are, Juan? Yeah, right in front of us today. All right. Courtesy and shout out to Alo for providing these two wines today from Total Wine in Milwaukee. Um, she got us some whites because she heard that we were interested because in we love whites. everything white yeah and if it's not white it ain't right <laughs> god damn it if it ain't white it ain't right <laughs> god damn it all right we got three wise guys pinot grigio out of harbor ridge winery which happens to be a wisconsin product believe it or not correct it, it comes out of algoma wisconsin <sighs> but this is a pinot grigio uh, it's going to be interesting to try this, I think. It should be pretty bright, citrusy. Yeah, it only um, has... Maybe some pear in there. Right. It only has a 3.4 rating, but it's also a Wisconsin wine, so I don't know. Yeah. With a widely used app, how well it's going to track. Yeah. Uh, the other one, however... Snake and Herring. 2020 Perfect Day Soft Blanc Semillon Blend. It comes out of Margaret River, Western Australia. We're going to be trying both of mate. these side to side, kind of seeing. We have an Aussie. We're, down the, we're down the Dundees on the Savion Blanc. Going to put some shrimp on the Barbie today. Put some shrimp on the... Do you want to hear a really funny story? What? <laughs> so, my girlfriend Adriana had, went to a steakhouse with two of her friends. And she came back and she was like, I fucking love that steakhouse. And I was like, oh, what was it called? And she goes, oh, I can't house. remember. And 
one day she's like, oh, the name of the steakhouse was Outback. I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> called it. I was like, she's, Outback. She really liked it. And so <laughs> then we went to uh, Milwaukee. Did she have a Bloomin' Onion or was she, what did she have? No, she no. did not have. Uh, maybe she did. <laughs> but when we, we went like two or three weeks ago, uh, we were in Milwaukee. And we're like, we saw an Outback on the way to a comedy show. And on the way back, we're like, oh, stop by. You've been talking about this. We ended up going to Texas Roadhouse one time, and she's like, Outback is so much better. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, yeah, all right. If you say so, like, I've never been. Yeah. So we go to Outback, and we walk in, and she's like, I don't know. Like, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> and we're like, we get seated. She looks at the menu. She goes, they must have changed the menu. And she goes back through the, her group chat with her coworkers, and it turns out she had gone to Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> so for, like, two, three months, she had been preaching that outback the gospel is, of outback of outback and i went and i'm like i'm hey if you like aussie inspired dishes yeah. <laughs> is, is texas long uh horn also an aussie inspired no i think longhorn is like uh, just some yeah bullshit. i was gonna say i would have thought it's probably like texas a texas thing yeah because yeah. of the longhorn now oh fuck him uh snake and herring has a 3.7 rating uh, so, t- you know, I, to be honest, we have both wines, one in a short glass, one in a tall glass. Do you remember which one I put which one in? I was about to ask I you the, the same small one. Thing. I can probably, we will be able to I distinguish it. the small it. one is the one without bubbles. Yeah. The, the small one has to be, well, the small one looks really light in color. So I'm guessing it's the Pinot Grigio. Yeah. yeah honestly, look. I don't know. Because look, I, the, the bottles, look at it compared to the Pinot Grigio. Yeah, I think you that's know what Pinot I think this is the bubble one. So yeah, you think that's the Pinot the... Grigio is the taller one. You think the Pinot Grigio is the taller one? Yeah, I'm thinking so. All right, I guess we should just which because we opened up the screw top first, and yep. I put it in the small glass. So, Did you? Yeah, so the Sauvignon okay, Blanc. We were we were right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll take a smell test. Ooh, it smells really fruity. Minerally, apricot. But I smell like some artichoke in there too. I smell like green mango. Yeah. Definitely peaches. Like lemon almost. Grapefruit, classic for a soft blanc. That's really good. The color is very light, almost like a peach in like a. Oh, that's good. Very light tint of gold. That is really good. Wow. Yeah, it's like a, almost, on a Chardonnay kind of color, almost like a gold color. Oh, that's really good. Interesting. Wow, wowzers! Wowzers! Snake and herring. I love South Blanc, so I'm a fan of this one. I'm a big fan. That is really good. Wow. I also wanted to know if we tasted. Any um, passion fruit in this? I don't taste passion fruit. No? No. Uh, I can see it. Yeah? Yeah. That's an interesting wine. Uh, we also have some Waterloo. Shout out to Adriana, my girlfriend, for the Waterloo watermelon flavor. We uh, love sparkling water here at the Pablo residence. So We're a pro-big soda podcast. <laughs> We drink Pepsi and Pepsi only, God damn it. Damn right. Uh, we're moving on to the Pinot Grigio here. Okay. 
Wow. That is surprisingly delicious. You don't agree, Luis, do you? No, I just don't want to. <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> That's really good. Wow, both ones are really good today. Wow, that one's lovely. All right, so uh, I think these are both fantastic dinner wines or summer wines. I think specifically the Pinot Grigio is a really good dinner wine. And let me see, for the cost, uh, do you know how much she paid for these? Um, She paid $25 for Snake and Herring. And I don't remember how much for the three wise guys. I can't find an exact. A Wisconsin product. Cannot find the exact price. What's the price range on that three wise? It's like 18 to 23. 18 to 23. I was yeah. a fan of that Pinot Grigio. That Pinot Grigio is fantastic. Yeah, for a Pinot will, Grigio. And I will drink that Wisconsin every day product, of the week. I, Let me, uh, I would recommend that as a local product. That was really good. Wow. Yeah. I had a Wisconsin one <laughs> A Wisconsin wine once that was so shit. It was so dog shit. Was it just like packed with sugar? Dude, it was. It was, it, was it, it tasted like someone had just put fucking a cup of honey inside it. It was Oof. so disgusting. Eesh. So uh, this one's actually really good. Uh, I actually like both wines a lot. I do like the Pinot Grigio a lot more. Yeah, I'm I do a- like Pinot Grigio a lot in general, but that's fantastic. Yeah, this is wow. a, a really fantastic wine. Yeah, that's really good. Wow. What what fruits did you taste in this one? We didn't give any. I don't that's think a good we point. gave tasting notes on this one. Green apple. Definitely. A lot of apple. Almost like lime peel. Yeah. Like zest. Yeah, almost like, like, like ginger. Like yeah. it's it's it's. Almost like ginger wasabi. It's just super bright. It's such a light wine, but it's so packed with flavor. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's such a good Pinot Grigio. Wow. Oh my God. Wowzers. Go, don't walk, run. Run to, Damn right. Run to the nearest fucking wine store and pick up some of that uh, snake and herring Pinot Grigio. Or no, no, the three wise guys Pinot Grigio, yes, right? The three wise guys. Damn, that shit, that shit hitting Pinot already, Grigio. B. That shit, right. that shit got me. <laughs> she got me. Fading. You feeling that? You feeling that? That shit was good. How many fingers am I holding now? Uh, there's two in my ass, so that means there's three that you're holding up. Wow, that was really good. Wow, shout out uh, to Wisconsin. Who made that? Maybe we Harbor can Ridge Winery. Let's contact them and send them this episode and say uh, that we love their wine. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get something out. Well, maybe we'll get something in the mail. Maybe we'll get some love. Hey, uh, three wise guys. Let's make it four wise guys. Yes. You guys add another one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it six. You know, multiply that by two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, going into some of this weekly news. <laughs> Uh, we got Squid Games. Everybody's talking about this Netflix show. Have you seen any of it, Juan? I've seen episode one just last night, actually. Fucking loved it. Okay. Loved it. I just, felt, tell I felt me, like, tell me what your thoughts were. How I've, attractive is the main character? For looking like he's homeless, he, st- still got a body on him. He's That's a scrappy motherfucker. He, he just has that, like, chug, chug, like engine in him that you're not going to knock this guy down and keep him down. No, he... 
Yeah, he was really good. He has a will to disappoint his daughter. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so for those, I don't know who's not watching this show. It's, I mean, everybody's talking about this show. It's fantastic. Uh, it is a Korean-based action thriller drama. It takes place in Korea, in pretty much set in today's time. Like I thought when Almost I saw a some of the previous, futuristic, I would say like I thought so. 10, 15 years, right? Maybe. But when they there was actually, I mean, this isn't a spoiler by any means, but there's a scene where they talk about the years, and it, this takes place in 2021. Yeah. So even though there's kind of like a future yeah. sense to yeah, it, yeah, you're right. Kind of like an offshoot. There's nothing unrealistic that much. It's just like right. How evil can rich people yes so without without spoiling it i have seen all of it um i'm curious to know what language you watch it in um right now i am watching it in the english uh audio version as well as uh english um subtitles i i like to um i like to understand what these are saying as well as um, if this show in america i want to hear american and (laughs) then that better be it uh (laughs) i just watch I, I watch so little TV in general, except yeah. during the you summer. You do watch barely any TV. During the summer, I watch very little TV in general because I love being outdoors. But when I do, I um, do put on like uh, 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 what's subtitles, subtitles I'm so the that same way. I can just read it and comprehend everything and not miss anything. You know, like sometimes whether the audio doesn't translate all the way, you know, Japanese dubs and shit like that. Yeah. Sometimes they're not all that way accurate or they right. flub something that can be a pretty key piece of context that can be important. Yeah. While like a lot of the times the subtitles are a little bit more accurate, I think. So I, I, I was using that. Why did you, do you watch it in Korean? I actually watched it in Spanish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I watched the whole show in Spanish with Spanish That's subtitles. An uh, left turn. It's been something I've been trying that. to do more and more often lately. Oh, just where, so you pick just up to improve Spanish? my Spanish. Yeah. So oh, I saw okay. that they had a because originally it was a uh, Spanish. Oh, I'm sorry. Originally it was set to English automatically, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I wonder if like by any chance do they have Spanish? And they did. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. So I watched the whole thing in Spanish. I didn't miss any of the plot. You know, I'm yeah. just trying to get my Spanish better. But I was wondering maybe you were watching the Korean version. I thought about it. Yeah, I thought about it, but, like, I wouldn't understand anything. So, like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what that would do for me, you know? No, I, I completely understand that. Like, yeah, I, I didn't know I didn't know if uh, I should watch it that way because I didn't know if I would pick up on anything or if it, that would even have any, any use for me, so. When you watch anime, do you watch it with an English dub or do you do subtitles? Because I know, you, again, you don't watch very much TV, but when yeah. you do... I watch um, if the dub is available. I'll watch that. Um, if, but I'll also watch subtitles. Um, I'll almost always do both though. Yeah, like that's my preferred way. The only time I won't do subtitles is when I'm watching, like a comedy special. Because then I yeah yeah, yeah it, ruins, it ruins uh, comedic timing for sure. Yeah, because I was watching read the joke. Right, the guy performs. It. Yeah, because I was watching the Dave Chappelle. He just put out a new special, and I watched like the first half an hour, and I didn't even realize the subtitles were on because I was kind of like doing stuff in the kitchen while it was on, and then I'm like, I turn around, I'm like, ah oh, fuck, because I got intrigued in a joke, and then I read the punchline, and then he said the punchline, I'm like, ah oh, fuck, but no, I mean, watch Squid Games. It's a uh, fantastic. I really couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah. I wasn't expecting any of it. I think for the most part. 
uh, it should really open up the minds of people who only watch things in English. Uh, you can like obviously it's got subtitles and it offers English audio, mm-hmm. but it really should show like hey you know I mean Parasite one movie of the year and that's also yeah. Korea based. Yeah. So I think they they seem to be pushing out a lot of really high quality movies the last few years. Yeah, go or, watch Old Boy. TV in general. Yeah, go watch Old Boy. Go watch Parasite and uh, go watch Squid Games. Before we move on, though, how would you describe Squid Games? Like, what other shows <laughs> would you um, it's, say it, that it's like? It's like the Hunger Games on steroids. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, it really takes a concept of survival to like the next level. Yeah, um, it kind of reminded me of The Purge almost, with like how gruesome and yeah, all that's that. a good point. How, just like how creative they are at yeah you know it really took so yeah I, mean, I think at this point if you haven't seen it you probably heard about it because so many people have watched it and it's so memeable yeah like, there's so many images in that show that just like dude mexico memes got a hold of it and some of the oh, stuff yeah? i've been yeah like uh oh, fuck I'm you actually know, not even familiar with Mexico memes. Is that like <laughs> like black people Twitter? They're, yeah, they'll pop up on my feed every now and then. Yeah. And they're always a good laugh, especially on TikTok. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't go into what they're memeing. But that's that first game. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's all everywhere. The green light, red light game. Yes, that's what I'm There's talking so about. There's so many memes oh my just God. on like uh, the music that's in the background. Because I don't know this, but in each language, it's actually a different song. song? Yeah. Damn. When I heard in Spanish, all they're saying is Luz Rojo, Luz Roja, Luz Verde. And there's no music. And there's no music. It's just the the thing saying Luz Verde, Luz Roja. Like, yeah. it's a little chime. But then uh, Adriana actually showed me uh, in Korean, like, it's actually a song. Like, that, because it's a kid's game. Yeah. It's actually a full on song. And it sounds creepy. Here, let me actually uh, pull it up. Because obviously you haven't heard it, right? No, I haven't. It is. It's pretty scary, man. It's a haunting little. Yeah, thing. dude, it's fucked up. It was interesting to watch, I guess, all these different little gambling games that they have over there and, yeah. like, the gambling culture. Like, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I had kind of seen that, you know, through the cultural documentary that um, Too Fast, Too Furious, Tokyo Drift is. Or <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if this is, know, like, an underworld section of, like, a Korea and Japan and Asia in general, but... Uh, may, maybe I know that gambling outside of the U.S. is very much like a big, a thing, very right? big thing. Yeah. Like in America, we kind of keep it strictly to casinos, um, which is the least that we could give. The That's kind of blowing the fuck up now, though, with sports. Yeah, sports betting and gambling, yeah, betting which I love, by the way. Huge. I mean, how how good is it when you bet on a game and the team you bet on wins? Don't know. I haven't tried it. I'm afraid I love it too much. <laughs> I mean, it is really fun. Uh, I'm not going to play it because I don't want to get copyright stricken because that could happen. I just thought about that. But uh, no, go. I'll show it to you after this. Uh, Watch that little jingle in Korea. It's fucking terrifying. No, I do love sports betting and sports gambling. Like, that's apart from fantasy draft. I was going to say that's what I'm talking Like, fantasy draft that. is fun, but damn, yeah, when you just like put $20 on a game and you don't give a fuck about the game, I mean, it really it's satisfying. Yeah. The year that the Cavs lost to, I think it was Golden State. Well, there was like four finals that they played or something like that. A coworker of mine at the time was from Ohio. And I just randomly, I was like, oh, yeah, you think your fucking Cavs are going to win or something? Just talking shit. And he's like, put money on it. So I'm like, okay. And I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I struck bar- a nerve. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I don't really watch basketball or anything. But 
I yeah, I put twenty dollars in the game, and uh, Golden State ended up winning, and I just dude, I I didn't give a fuck about who won. I didn't even care if I lost, but I just if I win, bragging rights on it. Yeah, just I'm like if I lose, I don't really care, but if I win. It just, just felt rub some. Dirt I didn't even face. care about the money to be honest. I just <laughs> wanted to beat him in the sport of of gambling. It was fantastic. I I cannot recommend a sports gambling enough. Go buy yourself some uh some fantasy coins on a FIFA. Go buy some Doge coin and and gamble with that. Yeah, and go buy Cardano because it's actually at two twenty five now. So that's right. I, I own could, some, so I kind of need you to pump that shit. Yeah, can you guys please? How much do you own? Not enough. <laughs> I put some money in it a while ago, and I'm just looking at it go down every day. I'm like, well, you know. I've, yeah, I I did the dumbest thing. I bought it when I was at three dollars. Oh no, no, I bought it pretty cheap. Um, three fucking dollars. I'm like, this is gonna blow up. I bought shit pretty cheap, like a few years ago, and then I didn't log into it for like, I would say eight months, and then everything yeah. was gone. <laughs> so that's why I don't do crypto no more. <laughs> Oh, fuck cryptocurrency. Uh, you notice what? Uh, fuck also Facebook. Uh, recently, Francis Haugen has come out as a whistleblower. So I believe it was on. We are uh, recording on Thursday, October 7th. Uh, so on Monday, which was October 2nd, I believe. No, that'd be October. I don't know. Some fucking Monday math. Yeah, public school educated. Yeah, come Your on, expectations guys. Expectations are too high. Come on, I fucking went to tech school. You think I'm gonna know this shit? Uh, so she came out as a whistleblower. The entire servers went down, and we found out from Frances uh, Haugen that she no longer wanted to work there because Facebook was engaging in essentially hateful speech. Now, uh, she has previously worked for Pinterest. She actually got recruited by Facebook. And she no longer wanted to sit with her arms crossed as she saw uh, some of the work that was being done. So, uh, Juan, uh, before we dive into some of the uh, facts about it all, uh, I'd like to get your opinion on the whole debate. Do you think that Facebook really provided hate speech? um, Or do you think, I guess, for a... Facebook itself didn't provide any particular... I guess uh, made it easy. Yes, they they no doubt have had their algorithm set up in a way that it promotes um, the pushing of hateful rhetoric because it, it has usually the most engagement, likes, and comments, therefore bringing them more advertisers' eyes and therefore money, um, which is what the allegation that this particular whistleblower is saying, that Facebook itself wouldn't put the safety of, let's be honest, um, the globe at this point, because it's yeah. not even just the United States. They right. they Completely essentially agree. control so, um, large swaths of the social media ecosystem. For the majority of the globe, it's not just Facebook. As we all learned during the week, this or the shutdown this week, with uh, social media, how it all just went down. So um, Facebook is a monopoly. They own a lot, like all of these institutions that went down. It was not just Facebook. It was yeah. Facebook, WhatsApp, which is the most used social media outside of the United States and Canada. It's essentially all they use outside of America for 
uh, public messaging. Exactly. So they bought WhatsApp a couple of years ago, and that is what people outside of the country were using because it allows people to connect messaging via uh, Wi-Fi and internet. Yep. So you don't necessarily need in America. I mean, and you can make phone calls on it. Yeah. It's really- really cool 100 uh, percent in america yeah, yeah in america we have like unlimited data pretty much every plan has unlimited data yeah, most people do yeah however outside of the country that's uh, of course more difficult for numerous reasons um you know expense has probably the number one thing to do with it but yeah i mean the whatsapp and uh the big uh social media that they actually own as well as uh instagram exactly exactly i missed that one um don't they own snapchat as well they tried to buy Snapchat. Snapchat were like, "Fuck you." Yeah, they didn't and succeed now, in that. One. No, they, Snapchat just denied their request to buy. Uh, no, Snapchat is barely used anymore. But besides the point. Um, yeah. So the the whole thing went down on Monday. Uh, she was actually anonymous for a couple days, and then just came out. I think it was in the last two days. So this is Thursday. So I think on Wednesday and Tuesday she actually came out and actually was in a court hearing and spoke about why she came out and why she no longer wanted to sit willingly as uh, she saw some of this stuff happen. So I, I believe she's also the source to um, the Facebook files that the Washington Post released uh, a week or so ago um, exposing how um, Facebook has their own internal studies and they have discovered that Instagram in particular is extremely detrimental to the mental health of young women all over the country. And this is their own files that she released to the Washington Post. Well, it's pretty, uh, I think, it's pretty obvious the more time you spend on Instagram, the more you realize, like, all of this is fake and probably not good for the brain. Because the only, and I'm guilty of it as well, the more likes that someone gets it's when they're doing something cool or like initially the early days of instagram were just upload anything you were doing that day because it was it was almost like a photo of like a snapshot of that day but then things like snapchat and uh stories came out so people started just uploading their daily activity to that and now people really get into the mind of like a social media influencer through instagram like hey look at me i'm doing this cool shit i'm wearing this cool things like like this photo so you can i mean all everything is there for depression and anxiety and like oh look at all these people that are succeeding i'm not like i'm just a fucking loser in my room when in reality we're all losers in our room we're just uploading the one picture that we took we're that just uploading year. the highlights not the low lights yeah i mean if you think about your life in the course of like six months or even three months i mean you everyone does cool shit every now and then and if you don't, I mean, you do. Everyone does cool shit every now and then. Like, even for the high schoolers or, or anything, it's, you know, the fact that they went to, like, a homecoming game or to a dance or any of that. I mean, that's what people would, quote, unquote, find excusable for an upload. Yeah. But and now. It, and it's not just the FOMO, you know, like, the fear of missing out of, like, having fun with your friends. With the young women, it was um, displaying all how it pushed all these body issues and depression and anxiety yeah. and suicide rates into higher than it needed to be amongst this particular demographic, you know, the younger women who used Instagram. 
because they'll go on there and they'll see these like fitness models with like ridiculous genetically gifted bodies and they'll be like, oh i don't look like that or they've had work done oh they had work done yeah and they're like oh i don't look like that i'm never going to be able to look like that (laughs) and then those fitness models will push like random supplements that are totally unregulated i drink green tea and it helps me achieve my butt it's like yeah i don't think it does <laughs> i really don't think it does i think those uh elastic bands you're uh, working out with really aren't doing the trick so it really does promote a uh, highly depressive feeling towards uh the youth specifically and i mean it doesn't take long for you to go on there there's and you saw who uses Instagram the most were the people that overreacted the most. Yeah. Like there was a ton of people like on Twitter saying what the fuck is happening with Instagram. It's and every now and then you get to see when they roll out an update, there's a glitch, it's not necessarily working. You get to see people fucking lose their minds because of one thing that they use that makes them feel that instant gratification of scrolling and seeing things you like. like. Dopamine hit that we like. Right, exactly. Uh, the big thing that I did want to actually uh, mention and get your opinion on is during the election, and I think everybody was aware of this if you were on social media, uh, and I'm referring to the 2020 election for all of you uh, listening in 2032, uh, <laughs> they were actually uh, having a button to prevent the spread of lies. So there were certain posts that if they got marked enough, it would be like, please, like, this could be misled or they would be completely just taken off the site. So during the 2020 election, that was uh, in place. But as soon as the election ended, those features were turned off. And some of the people from that uh, truth, I guess you can call it truth department. Were, yeah, I was reading there was like a civics guardian sort of yeah, forget council it. that they hired uh, from like political experts um political science uh, yeah. professors you know um ethics professionals and legal counsel and they hired all these sort of people into sort essentially being like their version of an ethics department where they could kind of see like what should we flag what should we not like what should we let skirt through the filters what should we not essentially yeah, so it is interesting to know that they did <laughs> immediately after the election. They're like, "All right, like it was as bad as it got. Let's uh, let's just move these people elsewhere." And they essentially got rid of the whole department. Yeah, which is bizarre to me because I think that proved, and especially, I mean, we saw the storming of Capitol, how quickly that these people can meet up on Facebook and all rally behind a certain opinion yeah. and go and. They, it's almost like a wildfire, man, like a viral wildfire, you know, like yeah, like a it, thought wildfire. And Facebook was the main platform that these people were using. That, mm-hmm. I mean, you can use any example, but Facebook is the number one platform for these kind of meetups, and for this many people to get outraged. And the big thing in 2018 is when they actually had the change in the algorithm, so that it was more engagement focused. So that meant that they were trying to focus more on engagement, which meant they were trying to get more advertisers. And the thing that gets the most engagement, and you and I can probably agree on this, everybody can agree on this, is always going to be something that makes you mad. Makes you mad. You don't it's controversial. 
comment on the puppies and rainbows post like talking about how beautiful and pretty and how good it makes you feel exactly so i mean as much as i love puppy videos and as much as they turn me on uh the thing that i really engage with is always going to be a post about some something that takes you off <laughs> right yeah i saw the funniest thing also like uh when the vaccine was first being rolled out, there was these like that was taking you <laughs> off like a mother. There was these meme kings. Well, yeah, the vaccination stuff was pissing me off, because uh, I am a super pro-vax, and whichever vax you don't want to take, I'll put it in my ass as well. So I could honestly care less. Uh, there was people posting memes saying uh, the uh, vacations should be mandatory and enforced upon at your workplace, but because it said the word vacation. Everyone immediately thought they were saying vaccine. <laughs> and so all the comments on, and I saw probably like 30 different people post this saying vacation should be enforced. You would work should make these mandatory, blah, blah, blah. Commenting, you don't know what the fucking side effects are of the vaccine. And my fucking brother doesn't have COVID and he fucking survived and he's fine. And he has breathing problems, but he's got It's like, bro. <laughs> A really simple fucking joke should have just been like, oh, that's funny. Went right over their head. Yeah, just like, if you fucking, it's an infringement on our rights. Dude, those are people that are like already living at like a seven, you know, like just waiting for anything that'll push them to a ten. And that's the problem. Like Facebook makes these people so angry all the time. Like uh, my poor mother with her, you know, very short education was sharing she's by the way my my mother is very catholic and uh right wing and close-minded and no she was she was sharing things that were like catholic focus and it would be these priests saying like there's one video she shared that i called my sister who was at home i'm like go to her fucking phone and delete this from her profile it was this catholic priest saying like uh you know i got on the plane and they made me wear a mask and so from here on out, I'm only going to drive to my venues. It's like, dude, how about you uh, you settle out and, in fact, just wear the fucking mask. Just, All right? Just shut the fuck up and wear the mask. Pastor David. It's If God wanted me to wear a mask, I would have been born with one. Yes, I'm sure how that works. And if God wanted you to molest little kids, uh, he would have fucking made you born with one as well as a Siamese kid. So uh, <laughs> go suck a dick, Father David. Um, so yeah. Shout she, out Father David. Shout out Father David. And shout out Frances Haugen uh, for willingly coming out. And the big thing she stated was the reason, one of the main reasons she came out uh, as the whistleblower was because she could no longer sit through and watch this happen because the next person if she had just laughed and kept her mouth quiet the next person would have sat through this and it could have gotten worse and the next person would have sat through that yeah. and it would have gotten worse so yeah I, I did see something interesting i want to get your thoughts on it as a part of her testimony and something that i had heard as an allegation made towards facebook in the past was um how can i you're familiar with the movie hotel rwanda correct yeah, and uh, Arsenal, who we talk about later, are actually sponsored by the country of Rwanda. Okay. okay. Well, in in the movie, and famously, like, is noted throughout historians, Rwanda had a lot of hate radio um, 
that was extremely prominent and popular in, in their country and culture. Essentially, like, Alex Jones rush Limbaugh's to the extreme. You mean the God gifts to the earth? That's right. God's gift to Texas. <laughs> Alex Jones. Please continue. Essentially, um, Francis Haugen and, you know, the whistleblower and people in the past um, have made the allegation that Facebook made it easy in the country of Myanmar um, to spread genocide amongst um, the uh, Muslim minorities, the Rohingya, which essentially caused like a whole migratory crisis Correct. in the country. Yeah. And that Facebook was the main mode that they were literally spreading all these memes, spreading misinformation, calling them who knows what, right? I can't even tell you. Yeah. What. But that that was the main mode of operation and that Facebook turned it off way too late into all the killings that happened, into many yeah. killings that happened. And I mean, this is affecting, regardless of your political views, this is affecting the left and the right. Like both sides are using this uh, feature to get their side of the story riled up. Yeah. Like, you know, it, as what like I said, whatever your political opinion is, the thing that I don't like that Facebook and most of these platforms are doing is they're deplatforming people. And I think that if they would just get their, this algorithm in place, I don't think that that would be more of an issue. The deplatforming thing? Yeah. I th and, you know, I'm interested to get your opinion on this, but yeah. if they were just to get their uh, algorithm in terms of engagement and not spreading hate speech, I think anybody. I guess, yeah, maybe. I think anybody could have because people would just like unfollow or it's like, hey, clearly this person is spreading misinformation and we're going to take their uh, their post down. So people would realize, like, oh, but isn't that the deplatforming that you're talking about? But it, taking the post down as opposed to just completely eliminating people from the profile, because yeah. what people would want is like a following and an engagement. So let's say bro taste this, uh, this podcast, like let's say we make a Facebook and we just start saying like uh White wine gives you superpowers. That's right. It makes your dick bigger. And it, by the way, it does. It does. Uh, and Facebook would be like, okay, they're spreading lies. We're going to delete that post. And then we're like, oh, fuck, we don't get any engagement because every time we talk about white wine making your dick bigger, it gets deleted. We'll have to start spreading other lies. Mm -hmm. So I think would they just get – and it's definitely difficult because you have billion of pe billions of people probably on Facebook at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know that deplatforming is my issue with Facebook just because it's I, not my issue. It's just something that I it, think it is. W if this would to get fixed, then yeah, I think yeah. it would definitely help the situation. Yeah, I was I was just saying because of like that particular like example with like the Rohingya stuff, like <coughs> what what um other tactics do you think Facebook could could take? to help eliminate things like that but deplatforming you know like yeah it's almost think, like a uh, necessary like tool that needs that they need but what i was going to say though was this whole week though in my opinion um has justified all of the things and comments that elizabeth warren has been talking about like the last four years about how we should break up facebook and amazon because i mean just look at how inconvenient for the whole globe not just the united states their outage was it, it was 
like like we specified earlier it costs who knows how many companies how many dollars it made it so the students couldn't get their homework and right places i mean facebook is a for as much, that's a crazy thing when something is this big for as much bad as it does it actually does have a lot of good things that it offers you yeah. know like we have a group chat through uh facebook messengers platform we will use facebook as a platform to get our podcasts out there and it is kind of crazy to think about how yeah this is a fucking massive thing that if used properly it can be fantastic but you know i completely agree with what uh i'm sorry what was her name elizabeth warren elizabeth warren like something like this just has to get monitored but it, it's, it's like such a, a big thing that it's so difficult like how do you this is the first time that we've ever dealt with internet in our you know in our lifetime we saw the internet go from it's one computer in one classroom to it's in everybody's hand so i think we're getting to the point where we're going to have to start cutting back on what certain things can do yeah in some ways yeah yeah um if you have to use facebook as a scapegoat i think you're gonna have to yeah i don't think we can avoid that at this point yeah it's just too big i don't mean about like avoiding facebook i just mean like the push um for people to push the american regulatory body and it's almost like a global necessity that we have to like take upon ourselves because the rest of the globe has zero say in what facebook says or does while we actually have a little bit of a say because we can push we should like definitely regulate American it. regulators and political body into regulating them somewhat. And specifically what Elizabeth Warren was saying is that we, we should break them the fuck up. Snap or like uh, Instagram, WhatsApp and Facebook should be different entities that are like accountable to different people, bodies, uh, they're their own running institutions um, versus, you know, Facebook has a bad PR week because uh, a leaker comes out and yeah. they're going to take down all three apps. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think it should definitely be something that we regulate. And I think almost categorize some of these social media apps like uh, Facebook having a bad PR week. People use WhatsApp, like we said, in other countries for messaging. So what yeah, if almost primarily a messenger? Yeah. So yeah. what if somebody is, you know, a a 14 year old is trying to get picked up by her mom yeah, from school that probably definitely happened that situation and, you know she's scared she's she's afraid and so does she can't because what facebook so i think yeah we'd probably break these things up and even if they're still owned by facebook at least categorize these things and be like all right messaging apps are going to work like this like we're going to regulate them so that they're not allowed to be fucking con- like 14 year old kids aren't allowed to be contacted by you know 18 year old kid like men yeah, that, wow Holy little shit. things like that yeah like just that's a small little thing that you just totally came up with regulate them to their category so regulate messaging apps regulate photo specific apps like snapchat like instagram and then regulate some of the big ones that are like facebook and whatever else is out there like uh reddit and and what else because reddit technically is yeah a social media platform and so yeah i I think 100 percent regulate these and even if they're owned by the same entity then have their different uh categories uh i think i have a good little segue into our next topic as well please go ahead have you 
since we're talking about Facebook, big tech, all of these monopolistic uh, business institutions, have you um, heard about how Facebook and Amazon are building company towns? Yes. I, I drive to Kenosha every day and there is a giant, I mean, and it's a small for what Amazon can provide. And it is massive, a warehouse of Amazon yeah. that you can see. I mean, it's fucking giant. Damn. Yeah, I was just um, keeping up with how apparently uh, Jeff Bezos is pushing politicians in local towns where he has warehouses into essentially build towns the way that he wants to. He's sponsoring essentially the equivalent of an Amazon ROTC program so that uh, people from low-income communities have a tr like a career track into like the Amazon warehouse, I guess, yeah career ladder but so you're just you're just breeding these kids to then come work for you because exactly you'll just it, hire anybody yeah like the amazon spokesperson when when talking about this was talking about yeah we don't want these people to leave the town we want them to stay and work for us yeah, we don't for want 30, people to follow years. their dreams or go try to achieve what exactly. they've always wanted to we want them to be groomed at an early age that they will get paid minimum wage for the rest of their lives and all they have to do is scan boxes, and if they don't, then the alarm's Break gonna their go bags, off. Yeah, bottles. Exactly. That is fucking absurd. Uh, but no, please continue. No, but yeah, it was just incredible. Like, obviously, the ROTC program is already like borderline unethical, to be honest. Like, you're kind of like pushing something that really should you should be an adult to like to take much more seriously and be able to sign up for such a serious endeavor like that. And you know, they reach 15, 16, 14 year olds. And now we have like the dystopian nightmare that is like the Amazon version of that, where they arrive to certain high schools where they've built these huge warehouses and they can essentially bully the local mayor and economy into being like, you have to put this like program in your high school. Yes, yeah. we won't pay you this or that. Yeah, actually, uh, in Wisconsin, a Chinese company, Foxconn, was actually gonna start. Uh, they're currently in construction at the moment, but they were actually gonna come in and start creating jobs, quote unquote, for the local government. And they went to my tech school that I graduated from, and. They were telling like kids like you guys should come apply and we'll give you jobs and like manager positions because even with a sh like a two-year associate's degree and like s engineering they would be able to come in and like work some of the software it's like dude that again like we're talking about unethical like you're you're yeah. going to people who are desperate because they want to get a job and just offering them bare minimum like yeah they're gonna say yes yeah like what is their other option like if you're telling them like oh from the high school you can start telling them like oh you don't have to try because we'll hire you regardless yeah yeah and i mean this like what you're saying with the foxconn deal like, um the our state and you know the republican scott walker administration gave them so many tax breaks 
that somebody did the math and it came out to like millions of dollars per single job yeah that our state was paying or like essentially gifting them in tax breaks yeah so i don't know it's just when you hear about companies like that it's just so disheartening you know just learning that these people these companies and institutions are essentially sucking off like they're like corporate welfare queens you know yeah but doing it on a level where they can profit on a macro level on a like much more costly to society level like how much are the amazon trucks costing local roads all over the country yeah totally not paying for foxconn is building like a six lane highway like and the first two lanes are like all exclusively their vehicles jesus they get their own private lane yeah like it's fucking absurd that they're able to even get away with this like this is something that they propose and yeah. is currently being worked on so in the next 10 15 years we're going to see how all of that came to be and they when they came in and offered they made a bid to you know the wisconsin government and they said like no we're going to offer millions of jobs and benefits to your state that never fucking came to be and that's not gonna come to be because why would a giant tech company provide any resources to you yeah they 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 literally held a competition a global competition amongst small cities and towns to see hey who's willing to give me the best tax breaks and deals all over the globe why the fuck would they want to provide you anything yeah they have options they don't they don't need to fucking yeah that's and that's why like things happen the way they did you know like because of essentially that we were trying to court them into coming and building shit in wisconsin and we're like yeah come through yeah our government our fucking entire profit of the state is entirely reliant on dairy which guess what everybody's lactose intolerant (laughs) so how about we we, how about we don't focus our whole economy on cows no just cows and chick-fil-a is popping off more and more so we're not even eating them anymore so it's like all right really uh proved uh us wrong on that one uh should we talk about the pandora papers should we talk about that next week and go into the yeah we should talk about that next week yeah we'll talk about that next week uh let's give our final thoughts on the wine uh juan do you want to tell me which of the two you enjoyed more the three wise men or the snake and herring wine he's enjoying the last sip of uh i found myself um finishing the the snake snake and herring herring one first just because i love soft I love Do that. you? Yeah, I love that like, like citrus peel taste. That just I I love sour and acid. Yeah, and you also love taking acid. <laughs> that's right. Is that correct? <laughs> that's correct. So I love Sauv Blanc. That that and this particular one is delicious. It's very pear forward. It's got a little ginger thing going on. I, th- I don't know. I think it's very delicious. That Sal Blanc is fantastic. For its price point, I think it's a little... I think it might be a little more expensive than I enjoy. Yeah. For something of that quality, but I do really like it. I do really like the Snake and Herring. I actually enjoy the Pinot Grigio more. You did, I right? re- Yeah, I, I really enjoy the Three Wise Men Pinot Grigio. I'll probably have another half glass of that as we talk about the main topic. Well, what color do you think this is, by the way? I would almost it's like light pink. No, stop, really? Am I drunk? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> might be the wine glass had some lipstick on it. 
No, it's like a very. It's not it's purely pale light. Like, yeah, pale yellow. It's got a little bit of a. It's very translucent. You can see light gold. It. Yeah, it's very translucent. Um, when you throw it in your wine glass, it almost looks like it's uh like soapy. Yeah. Like if you throw it in your wine glass, it almost looks like it's a little thick. But when it's you so taste it, it's so light. Yeah, it's so easy to drink. What I like about wine is you can just drink so much of it. And I could drink four bottles of the Three Wise Men. Uh, all in all, I really enjoyed the Three Wise Men. The Snake and Herring. Three I, Wise Guys. Three Wise for Guys. For listeners who may look for this Three Wise Guys sitting in a room. It's Luis and Juan. And we're missing Georgia. Uh, what? We miss you, Jay. Uh, what occasion is it for? I would say this occasion is for when you know what. Picture this: it's a hot summer day. Yeah, June twenty eighth. You just had a long day outside. You took PTO because you wanted to work on your garden. You're like, damn, I've been killing it out here. You walk inside. The missus has a bottle, ice cold. Of the three wise men. She goes, honey, I prepared you the. <laughs> she has the bottle of the three wise guys and i just cooked the duck breast that you've been putting Ooh. off for the last few days how hard does you dick you again because i'm thinking dude i am i am coming in four strokes on that one am i drinking wine or viagra <laughs> why not both uh no i really like the three wise guys and i really recommend it so uh please uh support local community we will be reaching out to them and we'll probably edit out everything we just said. Maybe uh, we can get a sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, the Snake and Herring. <laughs> Dude, like, we will send you a box to never talk to us again. <laughs> uh, now, getting into today's main topic. Before we do that, do you have to take a pee break at all? All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break. So the day that I asked you guys what you thought about the 20 or the two-year World Cup gap, yeah, I was grasping for straws. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I was like, I want to ask you guys' opinion on something, and they're like, "What?" And then I just fucking he just threw whatever came up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, "This will be interesting to talk about." <laughs> oh man! But speaking of sports, the main topic that we will be focusing on today is why we should support each other's team. Juan Legend is a big Chicago Bears fan. And I am a big Arsenal FC fan. Both different teams from different sports and leagues entirely. Countries even. Country, yeah, correct. So I have no affiliation to most football teams apart from the Green Bay Packers because I was born in Wisconsin. Do you have any affiliation to any soccer team? Soccer team? No, I wouldn't say so, no. So we both don't give a fuck about the other sport. That's probably, yeah, yeah, totally fair. You are going to go first. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears, and then I'm going to talk to you about Arsenal. So let's start with the history of the Chicago Bears. Okay. Well, the Chicago Bears are one of only two current uh, charter NFL franchises currently in the league. So that means they were one of the original teams that was there when essentially football was invented and the league was like born and founded. They were, uh, they were, there with uh, I believe the Chicago Cardinals and the Decatur Staley's which are now the Bears 
So both of these teams were founded in Illinois, um, founded not too far away from us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this was those two teams were essentially the genesis of pro football. And the Bears happened to be one of those teams of only two of a league of 32. The rest of them came about at different points in time. And yeah, they just came about later after the development of the league. But let's move on a little bit. So they're one of the charter franchises, correct? They also happen to have either the most or second most uh, Hall of Fame players in the whole league. So they have a long tradition of having like tough, bad motherfuckers. Are they also the only team that has done a Super Bowl shuffle? <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I have that correct? Yeah. yeah. Did the fridge play for the Bears? Yeah. Okay. The fridge <laughs> did play for the Bears. <laughs> I one time I was serving at a restaurant and this old man who probably had dementia goes First to 10 and first to do it again, the Chicago Bears. Yeah. And I was like, so Good how do you, you want your eggs, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you want your eggs. Shut the fuck up and tell me how you want your eggs. <laughs> oh, never. He goes, first to 10 and first to do it again. Like, All right, man. All right, that's Dude. lovely. I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs> the Bears have this, like, fandom culture. That has no, not bears. evolved past the 85 days. <laughs> so fucking stuck Nor in their, like, high school glory days. That it's not even funny. But I'm not going to tell you that part because I'm not trying to, you know, give you the cons right yeah, now. Yeah, let's, let's talk about... Shut up about that right now. All right, let's keep talking about the history and go into some of their trophies. Um, They have won one Super Bowl. Not as many as you would want. But Super Bowl have only been going on. Yeah, they've they've been going on... 50 some years now 40 in the 40s or 50s i know yeah. that um they haven't won as many as you would hope that a club as you know original and legendary as yeah. as that is but they've always been competitive they've always been like on the cusp of, of being competitive right. um they're usually not um like a a punching bag for the league they're usually average to above average but not even like being in like the elite contenders every year mm, okay but though a lot of the times they'll break into that and they'll stay there for a few years um for example let's go into some club legends uh george s hallis happens to be you know you want to know an interesting fact that you might enjoy well so my uh the company that i work for we actually helped we did the hvac for Hallis Hall, which oh, is no. which is the new training yeah, facility for the a, Chicago Bears. That's, yeah, that's their training facility where they practice. They do yeah. everything, training camp now. So we got to see an yeah. insight of, number one, how it was being designed, and number two, how it was going to work. Yeah. And when they first... Apparently, uh, it's pretty high-tech. It is fucking insane. Yeah. And I probably fucked up a lot of things on that project. <laughs> we won't get into that. But it was really cool to be a part of and to actually see, like, oh, they just renovated their entire... Yeah. I mean... Dude, when I saw this thing, because we, uh, for those who don't know, there's 3D software that you can actually build buildings from, and you can actually see plumbing, air, 
everything. Yeah, you were drawing up the blueprints. And yeah, and you that. get to see these things in 3D, and you see the how like what they were envisioning. You're like Jesus Christ, like yeah. this is what they're training in. Their vision was pretty expansive. Yeah, and uh, there's actually a video uh, on the Chicago Bears YouTube channel, which I highly recommend uh, watching, where you just see like when they first unveiled it, and all of us in the office were like high-fiving each other even though we had the least to do <laughs> with the design we're like yeah we provide the air for this facility <laughs> it is really cool and i did really enjoy that process um and speaking of like facilities like that um did you by chance run into a piece of news uh that in the last week or last week they uh put in a bid and some sort of commitment as I understood, financial commitment that they are buying the Arlington racetrack. They are. To build, I was about to ask yeah, that. Yeah, to build essentially um, their own version of Jerry World, which is what Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. um, this essentially like diva owner, who, although great, give him credit for this, he <laughs> supposedly built his own state of the art stadium with his own money, and he built. A commercial hub for that stadium all around you know the stadium kind it, of like the what the Milwaukee Bucks did around the exactly, Pfizer like exactly. where they made everything like commercialized so that it not only brought bars, people hotels right they just outfitted the area with a shit ton of that right so does that mean they are gonna move the stadium from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights as far as I understand they're not moving the stadium itself they're just building a whole new one out there because this particular stadium is owned by um, the city of Chicago, and they yeah, because I they they hold soccer games there. Yeah. The Chicago Fire plays there at the moment, so it's I would assume that they would want their own stadium where they could make their own rules and make the most money. Yeah, so that's something new, um that's currently happening within the club. A lot of people are really excited because usually whenever you build a new stadium, you get like the shiniest toy of the lot right like they're yeah. gonna build it the best they can so that it lasts the longest a long time yeah state-of-the-art as possible so that's like a cool part of the modern today bears that yeah. i would sell to a new fan like hey, especially for us stadium. living here in southeastern wisconsin yeah arlington heights is only an hour and a half away from where we are yeah we went to there exactly two weeks ago yeah we could Quite literally take the train in Harvard yeah. and end up there. So, I mean, it's really easy to get to. Now, that would be really fucking cool. I think that would be really fucking cool, yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. Um, let's go into some... Let's go into more sick club legends. Because yeah, you had, I believe, the refrigerator play for the Bears. <laughs> is that true? Yes, the refrigerator pairing. Okay, well, I don't... The guy is a legend because he was on the Super Bowl teams. He was never an elite player. He was like a very, <laughs> very, very good player. Like, but he wasn't the best in his position. Yeah, he was never like the best in his position but he was always a very very good player though like i love the nickname the refrigerator yeah he he was he was given that that nickname uh because uh he would be given the ball on offense once in a while even though he was primarily a defensive player that was that played at defensive tackle at a position where you're supposed to be like 320 330 pounds and just stop everybody who moves with the ball in front of you no matter what you're not supposed to be very athletic and be able to move like in space very well. You're just yeah. supposed to be a strong, big motherfucker who's not going to let anybody go yeah. by you. And this dude was like athletic enough that they used him in a backfield where they had Walter Payton, like quite literally one of the most 
storied running backs and violent running running backs yeah in the history of the league um okay yeah he was on the 85 bears and he, like even when he was on that team they would still use a refrigerator parry near the goal line and just give them the ball while they're at like the two yard line be like stop this 330 pound train if you can <laughs> and they usually did not but let's go into some team legends that like are a little bit more uh current yeah that i think you should totally check oh out. uh yeah. you had a really good quarterback by the name of jay cutler i would never <laughs> like add him to the team legends he, he no. was your quarterback for what the last six years um before yeah he, he i think he stopped in 2016 so like four years ago and he was very disliked. five years ago he was very disliked i yes. believe by the entire nfl yeah he was very <laughs> disliked um i was actually listening to a interview by devin hester one of the team legends i was going to tell you yeah to please look up i want to i want to talk about jay cutler a little bit more because <laughs> But yeah, he infamously, was, he was uh, Devin Hester was one of his wide receivers, and Devin Hester is a super, extremely talented um, punt and kick returner. Are yeah. you familiar with what those are? Yes. Okay. Well, he he's quite literally the best to ever do that position. He has the record for the most return touchdowns. Um, of, of, there is nothing the better than watching a punt return. Yep. And I think that's got to be one of the most difficult things to exactly, do in sport. Exactly, exactly. Because you see, like, a home run. You see, like, a penalty kick. Even, like, I don't know what's really – I'm trying to think of other really tough tasks to do in Game sport. basketball shot. Yeah, but returning a punt. Like, 90 yards or 100 yards, 70 crazy. yards. You are They're juking 11 people. Because you have your guys who are like, we're going to protect this guy it's just to see as far as he gets. And then you have 11, 200, up to three, sorry, yeah. 300 pound men charging at you at full speed. And all you see running like 20 miles is, per hour. Yeah, is those gold posts on the other side of the field. And you just got to somehow break your way through. A lot, of, and I think we see that more in today's uh, cu- culture of football. But you see a lot of guys just doing like a safe return. Yeah. Which is they'll just like wave them down. They're like, hey, I'm not I'm not even gonna charge at you. Yeah. So the fact that this guy's the best to ever do it. Yeah, he's the best to ever um play that role in that position. And but he also played wide receiver as like his part time role, right? So this guy was a badass. So he was a bad motherfucker. Yeah. He um he was Jay Cutler's number one wide receiver for a few years. And he uh, was giving an interview to Shannon Sharp. Um, he has his own little uh, YouTube channel where he does interviews with big time players and former players. And he was talking about how, yeah, Jake Cutler is the worst leader I ever played with. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like made me think, God damn it. <laughs> All these years, I just thought this guy was like a quiet, aloof guy yeah. who would just sit on the sidelines and kind of keep to himself. But no, this guy apparently would not interact with his teammates. Like, which is what you don't. You're definitely the quarterback. Don't, the quarterback. Yeah. If that quarterback gets referenced in other sports, you're like, like the CEO of the team. In soccer, there's like there's now essentially a quarterback position that people say in midfield because they're like this is essentially the quarterback of the team. Quarterback is the most. I don't care what anybody says. The most important position on the field. At yeah, any no given point. A lot of people say it's the most important position in sports. I like, would agree with that. As far as like 
how much importance and team success falls at on their once. shoulders versus at once. other players. I mean, look at fucking Tom Brady going to the Bucks and just saying like, "Yeah, I want a fucking championship on my own." And Gronk, who fuck, PT Gronk over here, like yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, PCT Gronk. <laughs> yeah, no, I and to hear that he's Jesus. Uh, can you elaborate on that? More uh, that he was just one of the worst leaders that he's yeah, ever played. Yeah, Devin with. Hester, one of the wide receivers that played with Jay Cutler for many years, just mentioned that he was one of the worst team leaders that he ever played with. That he would interact with his teammates very little, but he he went on to give him credit, almost making it worse because it's like you think, oh well, you could have been amazing, but yeah. he was like, yeah, he was one of the most athletic most uh accurate like strong arm quarterbacks i ever yeah. played with but he was such a bad leader and <laughs> so selfish and always was just hanging out by himself never wanting to talk to anybody sometimes i think we've talked about this outside of the podcast a player who is that good and then does these fucked up things like in this case for jake Calder is just not be a good leader Sometimes I wonder if that's why they were as good as they were. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the fact that he yeah. was reserved and the, the fact, fact that, that he, he was got... so selfish may have been why he was as skilled as he was. Yeah. Yeah. Because not every, I mean, we talked about Gronk before mm-hmm. um, outside of the podcast and mentioned how he doesn't watch tape. <laughs> he openly <laughs> said he doesn't watch tape. And you think, oh, well, if you watch tape, then he'd be better. It's like, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe he would overthink things. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, let's, let's, I wanted to touch on a few more club legends. Please, yes. Really uh, please, on yeah. One. So, uh, obviously, Devin Hester, the greatest return man of all time. Yeah. Um, I would tell you to watch a few legends, but they're not so recent. But I'm just going to throw them out there. Okay, start naming Either some. A, they have amazing names, which the Bears have some of the best names in football. You're going to hear this in a little bit. Or two, they're literally some of the best to ever play their position which is okay. running back the bears historically have always held like amazing running backs where they're super tough they're just always breaking tackles and which is super fun to watch as a football fan yeah it's like the ball given to some guy in the backfield oh he breaks a tackle in the backfield suddenly breaks it off for like 20 some yards that is super exciting it is very satisfying yeah it's very satisfying um so let's give you some some names um Gale Sayers, uh, as as one of these uh, historic, amazing running backs. Walter Payton. These are all like people whose highlight clips you could look up, and you just be sitting there, like having your adrenaline <laughs> pumping, like yeah, hit that guy. Um, but yeah, these two guys are amazing. Some some players and head coaches and and legends that also were with the team were uh, Dick Butkus. <laughs> historically amazing middle linebacker he used to play middle linebacker in an era where they would run it like 30 40 times a game and he was he would just they didn't believe in throwing at the time no he would just smack people every play i mean a name like dick butt kiss you kind of have to be a badass to and then i don't know if you've ever seen the movie kicking and screaming with will ferrell i have then you might recognize this name, Mike Ditka. Uh, the, sort of. The, the head coach that was helping Will Ferrell coach. Okay. That was him. Mike Ditka coached the 85 Bears. And so he's 
He used to play tight end for the Bears. He was a great player, yeah. amazing player. He would catch balls and run people over, right? And that was his role. Um, but he also coached those 85 Bears. And although he was never a tactician, he was never known as that kind of coach. Yeah. He was just known as that, like, meatball, rah-rah, like, asshole that just pushed the right buttons one year, I guess, That's and let himself sometimes. into that Super Bowl shuffle championship team. But yeah, I would say. Um, okay, what are some of your earliest uh, or your first memories of the Bears? First memories of the Bears. Oh, um, 2006 Super Bowl when they first started becoming relevant and becoming. They started showing up in my universe because I, I was a young kid who had never grown up around football. Yeah. My parents didn't watch football. I don't know what football is. I would like go to school and people would be talking about. Oh, like, did you guys see the Bears this week? Uh, did they have, uh, like, this player or that player? And he, like, scored a touchdown or that. So I would, like, look up some of these people. And that season in particular, I just happened to fall upon, like, the season where they were going to make it to the Super Bowl and where their defense was scoring, like, 7 to 10 points or 14 points a game almost. Jeez. Yeah. They had a lot of really talented defenders that year where they were incredible at taking the ball away and returning it for points. Um, and um, But yeah, that would be the earliest one of my memories, I would say. Um, and the, I would definitely say that the main reason why I'm a Chicago Bear fan is because I was born in Chicago. I'm not going to sugarcoat <laughs> that. You know, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. So is um, that why you support them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was born in Chicago. So I follow Chicago sports as a youngin'. Yeah, and kind of once you make your sports decision, um, you you ride almost, or die. By yeah, you you ride or die. You're stubborn about it. Like yeah, but it's just my luck that I happen to like be stubborn with a team that has this perpetually successful rival, <laughs> which is the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers are, are always smack the Bears. Are around. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who, because we did mention your some of your team legends, who is your favorite team legend? Is it the wide receiver that you were talking about? Devin Hester. Um, hmm. Like if you had to pick one of the bunch, you're like. If I had to pick one, although right now he's not playing as as well as he used to, uh, they on their current team they have this safety called yeah. Eddie Jackson who played for Alabama. And he came into the league as a fourth round pick, so like expectations weren't that high for him. Yeah. And he just came in and I believe scored six return touchdowns in two years as a safety. Where Jeez. he would intercept the ball or pick up a re like a fumble. Yeah. And the dude was like, even though he theoretically didn't test that fast on like a forty yard dash. Whenever he picked up the ball, man, nobody could fucking touch this guy. <laughs> so he would just make these incredible plays. We're returning 70 yards as a defender after intercepting the ball and just many times off. scoring. Yeah, that's awesome. He was he would score like a like a bad motherfucker. But. So is is he your favorite player now, or who would you say your favorite player in this current team is? My favorite player on the current team, and only because I I believe he is going to be. Only because of his potential and his like current value to the team, it has to be Justin Fields. Like, is that the new quarterback? It is the new quarterback. Yeah, like we're 
recording this one week after he started his first actual no second start during his first start he got sacked nine times <laughs> was that the historically yes, bad game that was that historically bad like the second worst game in the last 100 years of nfl offensive football <laughs> it is almost impressively bad <laughs> like did they go out there and try to fucking play exactly, like shit exactly they got less or a little bit over one yard per play it was ridiculously bad so they they let him go at it again in the second game and the dude balls out he gets i believe um 13 or 14 pass attempts completes 11 but the 11 is not a lot that's a small number of pass attempts yeah but he completed that for 200 and something yards meaning an average of like 19 yards per so he was throwing bombs out there he was throwing bombs like all of the statistic websites nfl football statistic websites were talking about how this dude was the best um deep ball thrower um since 2006 so even past the jay color yeah like in his essentially first game as a rookie he was doing that that's really impressive so i believe like right now that guy is or should drive chicago bears into the 21st century because they have not had a good passing quarterback so he should make them good again he should keep them pretty fucking relevant or at least and 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 he build the team around him specifically yes and and yes he's and his good attributes so if he's good at throwing long get guys who can fucking run don't get good running backs get good wide receivers exactly exactly and the guy has four four um speed i don't know if you're familiar with what how fast is that like a video game stat? he runs essentially as like as fast as like a very very fast wide receiver as a quarterback he is justin fields a white guy no he's i think he's mixed oh so he runs as fast as a a gentleman who runs fast is what we're saying yeah okay that's what that means yeah okay so i guess my last question for the bears is can they turn it around and I guess what would you fix of this current setup to make them Super Bowl champions in the next two to three years? Oh, fire the head coach. <laughs> no doubt. This this head coach that they have is like totally lucked himself into a job. He he was the offensive coordinator. For, you know who Patrick Mahomes is, right? I do know who Patrick Mahomes is. He was is. the offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes his rookie year. Yeah. So he quite literally paid played one year for or uh, one game because Patrick Mahomes famously sat his whole rookie season. Patrick Mahomes is also, I think, one of the best quarterbacks yep. in the NFL. He's literally already in, getting talked about as like one of the best of all time after two or three seasons because he's so like he is athletic so and ungodly good. Yeah, he's so good. He he will move backwards 20 steps throw it with not looking and still make it yeah like, so he's the he's best video quarterback. game in real life. yeah he is fucking ridiculous so this guy was on that team and he was famously given credit as the guy who came up with the plan we should sit patrick mahomes for a year let him absorb our plays our strategies our tactics and you know um have him come at full strength second year um and that is the credit that the, the current head coach of the Bears was given, Matt Nagy. Yeah. After three years with the, with the Bears, he did great his first year. He actually won coach of the year his first year. As, <laughs> what? Yeah. 
Dude, the me. I'm not gonna go into it. But the media <laughs> has like a weird had a weird crush on him when he first started, and it just like created this. Legend. Is it because Patrick Mahomes turned out to be so good? I think and they so. Were giving him I, credit? It has to be. It has to be like the magic. They just like rubbed off the magic of Pat on him. So. This happens a lot in soccer. We'll talk about it when we talk about Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, a coach will be given credit when a young player becomes good, when in reality, it was a young player who that had was talent. all the abilities of a yeah. superstar anyway. So a coach will be given credit. It's like, oh, look how good, in this case, Patrick Mahomes like turned out to be. It's like, yeah, because he's a young player who was maturing and growing as a player in the game. The coach should be given very little to no fucking credit for that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me that when a player when a player like Patrick Mahomes who had all the abilities of a superstar became a superstar, that's not surprising. But when he like let's say in this case he would turn somebody like Justin Fields into a superstar by playing him, that's impressive. And especially if like a player is a bad player with a different coach and suddenly comes to this coach and it's like dude this player looks forward. fucking looks yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Well, with this particular coach Everybody in the NFL media sees this, right? Yeah. Oh, he coached the Chiefs and Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes for the one year where they made it to the playoffs. And then the next year, he, he was the Patrick Mahomes mentor, the quarterback yeah. guru, the offensive genius. When in reality, these, all like, he did was sit him for a year. All these buzzwords and like terms were applied to him. And then he gets hired by the Bears. He has a great first year, right? Yeah. Where he's carried by this incredible defensive coach and this incredible defense where they were doing what i was telling you with eddie jackson Mm -hmm. they had this incredible defense where they were essentially scoring like seven points a game again yeah um and so the offense doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting yeah as like offenses and other teams that don't have such amazing defenses and thus the guy won like head coach of the year even though his offense was only like average-ish yeah and it went from like being average-ish, so like the twentieth ranked offense, the eighteenth ranked offense, to being like the twenty seventh, the thirtieth, the next two years. Gosh, yeah, darn, man, because the guy got figured out super fast. After one year, all his strategies and tactics got figured out, and he would not adjust. He would like, like not no, adjust his tactics. We are good. Yeah, he was like. We just need better execution from our current players, this or that. And he was always trying to fit. So he was he was throwing out some white lies out there. Exactly. He was always trying to make his players fit into a scheme that they cur- like they obviously were not naturals in. Yeah. Uh, his team is built more to run the ball and to be successful doing that. Yeah. While he wishes he could have a team that could run the ball 10, 12 times, which is not a lot, and pass it like 20, 30 times. Yeah. Like, he wishes he had that team, right? But, like, that's just not who he has. That is not the players that he has. And he never... Adapted. Adapted. And he's never been not stubborn enough to adapt. Except for last week, which when he gave up play calling to his offensive coordinator. Because he's a head coach. He gets to decide who calls the plays. I can call them myself because I'm the offensive guru, offensive genius quarterback developer whisperer or i can just give or the responsibility can, to the offense exactly or i can give the responsibility who's to someone who has done this for a longer period of time than i have yeah and did it he, work out yes they <laughs> went from having 
<laughs> like I said, that historically terrible second worst in 100 years offensive game of all time to 200 yards running, which is a shit ton. 100 yards is a lot. Yeah. They ran for 200 yards. That is ridiculous. And they passed for another 200. So they had 400 yards of offense, which is a shit ton. Yeah. One crazy. week later. So your solution is fire this guy. Fire this guy. Fire this guy yesterday. <laughs> this guy's terrible. All right. I think I'm on board. I think I like the, the Chicago Bears. I think okay. I'll I'll start supporting them and start wearing the, the merch and dub uh, Bears. I was going to say, we have some of the coolest although cringiest like fandom culture <laughs> like all that dog bears all yeah. that shit it is pretty cringy it's cringy i do i, I love, love it. it though i, I love, love it, it. <laughs> all right let's let's going to uh arsenal football club do you know anything about arsenal football club they're the gunners they are the gunners and we're gonna talk about the gunners they today England, the they League. do they play in london i'm actually gonna uh double check some facts i know a lot of euro teams have like political roots and affiliations <laughs> do, are the arsenal team anything like that or no uh not necessarily no okay no uh this team is just okay so they are from London. They are from North London specifically. They actually moved, so they became a North London team. Uh, famously, they are the only team from the Premier League to never get relegated, including the previous oh, years. In England... Sorry, I had a burp there. In England, and in most soccer league in Europe, there's a promotion relegation system. So unlike in American sports, when a team does badly, they will actually drop down a division. And the teams from that division will actually get promoted. So this was done very, very early on to like, hey, the best compete with the best. The worst go down. They have to earn their keep. Uh, Arsenal have never been relegated. And uh, they are one of the most successful teams, not only in England, but in the world. Uh, so they started as early as 18, uh, what is it? 80, what is it? 86, I believe. Dang. Yeah. They're, they're a long running football team, uh, football meaning soccer. So they have won 13 league titles and also they're the only team in English history to win a title going completely undefeated. No other games is that? that at that time it was 38 so Dang, you played every shit. team home and away uh 20 i think it was like something like 12 draws and the rest were all wins so think about 38 games and you didn't lose a single one people were praising the patriots the year they almost won the uh unbeaten super bowl and that was what 11 games yeah so not only were no, they no, no, 16 16 yeah. so not only were they playing home and away uh in England, but then they were also playing in European competition against other teams. They had multiple trophies. So on top of all that, they were balancing. They were also playing in the Premier League, and like I said, won completely unbitten. And the Premier League itself from England actually awarded them a golden Premier League trophy, which is something they've only done that year, and they've only done since. Uh, they have 14 FA Cups, which is uh, in soccer there is a league, and then there is a cup. So unlike in NFL where there is just a Super Bowl, uh, they compete for multiple things at once. 
So the Cups is knockout battle. So it's kind of like the playoffs, the way that they do for most American sports. And then the league, which is just point-based. So they have 14 of those. 16 community shields, which means that the winner of the Premier League actually play the winner or the runner-up to the FA Cup. And they have 16 of those. So that means every time they had won the Premier League or the FA Cup, they had then won the community shield. So that's some of their history and some of their trophies. We'll go into some of their club legends, which include historically great players. Players like Thierry Henry, which was famously robbed for player of the year uh, in 2003. Uh, he had 22 goals and 21 assists in one season. Dang. That is a goal and an assist every other game. Yeah. Every game, essentially. Yeah, essentially. That think about that 21 assist as a forward. So Thierry Henry wasn't just a player in the league at the time, he was the best player in the world. He won the Euros with France, he won the World Cup with France, he was the best in the world. So Arsenal had the best player in the world at that time, which in soccer is a big fucking yeah. deal. People know now today the likes of Ronaldo, Neymar, Messi. That was Henry in the early 2000s. Um, the Premier League started in the late 90s and so that's what it is now so they kind of did a rebranding similar to what the super bowl did before that and so i'm mostly going to focus on the premier league era yeah uh they also had awesome defenders like uh what's his fuck i wish i could remember his name dead fuck what's his name this is embarrassing we'll go to dennis burkamp while i i kind of google the name uh Dennis Burkamp was if you look at any highlight tape Dennis Burkamp is by far the most impressive he's doing tricks with the ball that are unbelievable like Houdini type shit was a defender. no Dennis Burkamp is a striker we'll talk okay. about him um, I'm trying to think about this guy's fucking name why can't I remember Alan no not Alan Smith fuck Alan Smith we'll cut this out anyway Dennis Burkamp was the most technically gifted player I think I've ever seen with the ball. Like, people think about Neymar, Ronaldinho, and these guys now. Yeah. If you watch it, like, if I just send you a Darius Bearcamp, uh highlight tape, the thing that you're talking about, this guy with the punt return, this dude was, like, sending the ball one way and going the other and getting the ball to come to him and just, like, impressive shit to do with the ball. It's... It's unbelievable. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm no. I want you to interrupt. Since you're talking about like phenomenally gifted players like that, have you had a chance to watch Lamar Jackson? No. Do you know who that is? Yes. The I cannot tell you enough to just Google a highlight reel for that guy of Lamar Jackson. This guy is such a special talent, dude. Like similar to the way you're describing this guy. Yeah. But almost on an opposite end of the spectrum. This guy is so athletic, so instinctual. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Like he's a quarterback that runs like a kick returner. He can juke 11 people at once. While also throwing a 60-yard bomb over your head and hitting his wide receiver for it. He just plays like the most ex- one of the most exciting brands of football in like the current NFL. 
And honestly, so he's just a walking highlight reel. He exactly. He is such a walking highlight reel. But like the cool thing is the NFL is heading in his direction. Like he is so successful that he is basically like pushing offensive NFL football yeah. to like push away the Tom Brady's and Drew Brees of of football. And their newer teams are not looking for Tom Brady anymore. They are looking for a quarterback who can run and throw because they're more cost effective. You don't have to have an amazing supporting cast around them because they can you never ask motherfucker just grab for themselves the ball and take with it. Yeah. No, that's I'll definitely look him up. Uh going back to some of the club legends, uh Tony Adams was a was a center back's center back. So a center back in soccer is essentially a safety back in football. So they're a defender. They're the last line of defense between the attacker and the goal. And to this day, Tony Adams was an Englishman. He is regarded as one of the most hard fucking hitting center backs to ever play in England. And he was a captain. Like what you want a captain to be, not like we talked about earlier, like Jay Cutler, but the opposite of Jay Cutler. Yeah. Like he was yelling, like there's videos of him that I love watching of him yelling at his teammates like die and live by the badge. Yeah. Like everything mattered when it came to winning. A real hard nosed lunch pail kind of guy, you know? A real <laughs> a real gym rat, hard worker kind of guy. Uh they've also had players, uh I'm talking about globally respected players, like Patrick Vieira, who was another French guy who to this day in his position of center mid will refer to him as the mold. Like the Patrick Vieira mold. Like he was one of the first players in midfield, they would kind of break it up for like two or three midfielders. One guy defends, one guy attacks, one guy does a little bit of both. Pajavira was one of the first ones that would like could do everything. Yeah, like truly defend, attack. One of just hard hitting, just a bad motherfucker. So, with all these team legends, what would you say is like the characteristics of the team and like some through lines, like in similar playing styles that maybe they've carried out They're, from the beginning to the end. Soccer is a very cohesive sport in the terms of it's constantly ongoing. So when it comes to playing style, that is the number one importance. Like in football, it's a very stop, go, stop, go, which I'm not discrediting. It's still a very fun sport to watch and support. In soccer, you just need a little bit more tactics involved out like constantly because the game is constantly going. Dude, I, I feel like it's kind of the opposite, though, because, like, football is borderline chess with humans. Yes, you're making plays, but it's it's still, like, a stop and go. Stop. Like, you know what I mean? But, like, that gives you more time for those tactics, you know? Like, each five, ten seconds, you have to come up with a new strategy. Right, you're making you're moves on this defense. Right, you're making moves on the spot. Like, yeah. all right, I see what their offenses might do. I'm kind of predicting it. So I'm going to do this with my defense yeah. and vice versa. Because, like, for – dude, like, for football, you can have hundreds of plays on offense. Yeah. And like, for defense, you can have, I don't know, like a dozen different playing styles that right. one team might employ on defense. Right. So and, like, I, and I understand that, but what I'm trying to get to it is in soccer, your identity – like, the coach needs to stick with an identity – or even like a tactic for the game and add is it for the game. And they'll okay. maybe switch it halfway through yeah. or realize like this isn't working. We need it. But that's it. Like okay. 
So, so you it, almost need a little like familiarity with the system you're working right. on. Right. So the the thing that always gets the most praise is when a team plays really attacking football and attacking football in terms of like soccer. Uh, like when a team does really intricate passing and holds the ball, like that's always praised really highly. Um, and Arsenal have been dominantly throughout their successful years of the early 2000s and the early 2010s, especially under the coach Arsene Wenger, who held everything together. Uh, he was one of the longest serving coaches in, in English history. Um, and he was uh, praised for the way that he would like set his teams up, which was like always attacking minded. Yeah, like offensive minded. Never sit back and counter the mm-hmm. team or anything. Like it was always like, no, we're gonna set up. We're gonna hold the ball, like one touch passing, which means when the ball came to you, you immediately hit it back to your teammate. So you didn't get the ball, control it, and go. And so some of the plays that you've like are some of the most beautiful that you'll ever see. It's really like it's almost like a video game where these players are like intricately moving mm-hmm. like around this is each so other. Fluid and- where you're just like god like and you know i'll i'll maybe show you later but uh, it, it's just really really impressive um going into some of my first memories of arsenal was i in 2010 and i would even go like eight or nine was when i was really like getting into soccer not just from playing but actually like observing it and up until then i would only ever watch like national yeah like the national American, very casual shit like yeah that. and also some of the like uh mexican league soccer says so oh you know this kind of whatever and then my cousin presented me his ipod and he's like dude check this out and he was showing me players from europe and i was like what the fuck <laughs> what are they doing what are they doing it just blew my mind they it's... can score from that far <laughs> that's a lot score from that far pass from that far it was it blew my mind and so i would start watching the english premier league and at the time i really didn't have a team that i supported but arsenal i really enjoyed because number one they had a mexican at their team at the time they have a really sexy uniform and logo they have a beautiful uniform which i have three in in the closet behind you um actually you see that white jersey that kind of sticks out with the puma logo yeah so that was their jersey from a couple years ago um they've always had they're now memed as drip fc because the only thing they're good at is making a cool uniform because they're now dog shit at soccer uh (laughs) (laughs) so i supported them because they really like i mentioned earlier they were always known as this very progressive team that played youngsters and the coach that they had for very very many years always was uh forward thinking so he was one of the first coaches like a trendsetter 100 he was one of the first coaches who was like hey you guys shouldn't eat like shit every day <laughs> and this was like <laughs> hey players maybe we shouldn't uh eat so much you guys uh fries. every every day you come and you eat your funk and our french fries <laughs> and so he he was literally like historically one of the first coaches in soccer history in the early to mid 90s to be like don't eat like dog shit like your health is important and that, that broccoli once in a while yeah <laughs> eat a salad for fuck's sake and he was also very early to start promoting uh young players into big game like big teams okay so like uh tyrion who i mentioned who is arsenal's most important player of all time in fact one of england's most important player of all time even though he was french because he came to england one of french uh france's most important player of all time he brought him when he was like 19 or 21 and had him playing big games 
which I mean in America though that age range is when a player is still in college so you would never see a player that young starting yeah. in like a basketball game or a football game um, but now now it's a lot more common with the likes of like Killing Mbappe and Erling Brut Island actually being that young and succeeding in soccer Arsene Wenger is a person to think because he was like fuck it if they're good enough they're good enough yeah. Like they're killing them in practice. What would they kill them? Exactly. My favorite player now who's currently playing at the team is probably that's a oof. It's a hard pick, right? That's a hard pick, yeah. Maybe name two. I'll I'll name two. I really like uh, Martin Odegaard, who recently was bought from Real Madrid. And what, to what would you say is his play style? His play style is like the playmaker. Okay. But just works really hard off like the ball, that. runs a lot. But the things that this guy can do with the ball is fucking crazy. Finisher? No, not really. More of a playmaker. More of like these intricate passing okay, and okay. can put the ball over the top. Like point guard. Essentially. He's essentially the point guard slash quarterback of the game. Okay. But then Arsenal also famously have such an incredibly talented academy. So they'll just bring in players who are like ready-made superstars over the last couple of years. Who are like 19 and they're like oh this guy came from like the youth setup yeah so they've been with the team for like eight nine years which is crazy to think and they're now playing which is Holy just free shit. money eight, i mean think nine about, years and you're already like or you're only 18 think about 19. like if the bears had like a youth team and this they've guy been playing since they were 11 <laughs> they've been playing together since they were like 11 and each year they kept getting better and better and now you see them starting and you're like, this is a guy from Chicago who grew up in Chicago, who stayed in Chicago, who played with that other is super cool about soccer. Played with other kids from Chicago. And now all these Chicago kids are playing for the Chicago Bears week in, week that out. That is pretty fucking cool about soccer, to be honest. Yeah, there is currently two players in the main team that are starting in the starting eleven, uh in Mill Smith Row and Bukayo Saka. And you could even say like Ansley mate now to an extent, but these three, two guys specifically have been playing together since they were like 10. And now they're playing together in like in the biggest Dang. games ever. And they're from London and they played in the Academy. And you're just like, dude, this, these guys are like live and die by the Arsenal badge. They probably trained a girl together. <laughs> <laughs> they for sure have had a threesome together. Um, and do you have any questions? You know, I don't, um, no, I mean, honestly, my question, my original and like most curious question was about like what their team identity was as far as compared to other teams. But yeah. as you were saying, I think they're they sound they're like very progressive, innovators, like trendsetters. Yeah, like people who develop new tactics and strategies. Yeah. So I mean, that sounds pretty pretty fucking cool. To me. Yeah, no, it it sounds cool until the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> where they've unfortunately kind of stemmed away from that era. Um, really quickly, I do want to mention Arsenal have one of the worst fan bases of the entire world. Why? They Because they are so highly supported and because they are so progressive, because they have this awesome uniform, this beautiful stadium, which is the Emirates in London. They attract a lot of fans and Arsenal fans started the social media fan craze which is arsenal fan tv so if you don't know about this as an outsider 
I'm gonna send you some videos later. But if you're at home, is it like some hooligan shit? Or what it is no, it is much worse. So Arsenal Fan TV was one of the first, as the name says, Arsenal Fan TV. It was one of the first YouTube channels, which was like this guy Rory Robbie is his name would come outside the stadiums and interview people who were just at the game and say, hey, what did you think of today's game? When you are taking people after a game at their immediate sentiment <laughs> and feelings. After they've lost and they're all down in their fields. It, it would it started a very negative trend around supporting English teams. And so what would happen is these guys would be riled up and just cuss and be like, and now they have characters who now have their own podcast from Arsenal Fan TV. And so, yeah, that is the worst thing about being an Arsenal fan is that you're group with all these other fucking idiots who have okay. their own YouTube channels. There's like a whole like cottage economy to it. Like, it is dog shit. It is absolute dog shit. So maybe that's why I wouldn't support. <laughs> if I was a young fan today, I probably wouldn't support Arsenal the way I do now. But yeah, it's, it's awful. Like they generally have one of the more... After every game, it's either we are winning the league this year or we are going to be one of the worst teams in history of the world. Like, it's either 100% in or 100% out. There is no in-between. Dude, Chicago Bears run a lot like that, too. But in the defense of the fan base, though, their coach is pretty shit. So, like, I feel like a lot of the reactions are a little bit justified. Yeah. But they do run very similar to how you're talking about when when they're feeling down, they're like sell it all. Trade everyone. <laughs> Trade everyone star from Yeah, start that's how from this is. Zero. That's how dude, Arsenal are the worst team about that. And then they win two games in a row. Super Bowl, here we come. <laughs> like, like it's almost MVP, like a right. like, sign us up. Right. It's almost like a meme in yeah. uh in eight like in the world when it comes to Arsenal fans cuz it it's that bad. It is that bad. Like for example, when our best historic coach was at the team, there were and there was like a slump period because this guy ran out of options. Like he brought in players. He started from scratch. He had revamped the team probably four or five times now. And Jesus, he was just out of in there. He had been there for he's not there anymore, but he had been there for over twenty years. Okay. So he had did he has done everything. Yeah. Like there were people contracting planes to fly over the stadium saying Wenger out. <laughs> like that's how bad it got. Like people actively booing their own players yeah. during a game. And it's only gotten worse since. So And this is this guy's gone though, right? This guy's he left in 2016. They brought in this very good tactical Spanish coach who ended up not working out. He got fired. So they brought in this club led not I wouldn't say club legend, but they brought in a recently good player who was Mikel Arteta who played for Arsenal during those really good times. Not those really really good times, but during those recent good times. Yeah. After he had retired as a player from Arsenal, he went to go train as an assistant coach from the current best coach in the world who is Pep Guardiola. So you've heard of Pep Guardiola. Yeah. He, he had coached Bayern Munich. He had coached Barcelona. He is now coaching Manchester City. So when Pep Guardiola got to Manchester City, he had asked this player, Mikel Arteta, when you retire, can you be my assistant coach? Like that's how high he was praised. Yeah. So the, he became an assistant coach. Arsenal fired 
this other Spanish coach and brought in Miguel Arteta and said, "Take over, take over." This guy, although I trust him somewhat, I don't trust him entirely. Yeah, because some of the decisions he makes are so like left field oh. on. He just can't commit to a decision. Yeah. So there's a player we have now called Granite Chaka. This guy is good, but not great. But the thing that he does always that's infuriating is he'll get sent off. Like he'll get red cards. He very he got the captain armband uh, for a couple of games for like a season. There he was going to be the captain of the team. And it was like, all right, like he deserves it. He's a fighter. He fights. He's got the spirit. Like, he yells at his own players. Like, he's got that Tony Adams type of vibe, which I mentioned earlier. He was having a really bad game. Like, a really fucking bad game. So, the coach does what any coach would do and just sub him off. He just substitute him off at home. And he's taking the armband off. And the stadium starts booing him because of how bad of a performance he had. Yeah. So, he cups his ear to fucking, like, oh, what are you guys saying about me? And then he starts yelling fuck off to the fans and like throwing like a fuck off sign to the fans, rips his jersey off, throws it on the ground, and then goes into the locker room. This guy is still playing with us. And if he's healthy, <laughs> he will play. So you would think like after an incident like that, he, he would, would get cut or something. He would get caught, he would get sold. No. Arteta still plays him. It, is he like He's not that good, by the way. I was going to say, is he so good that they no. can't go without him? No. <laughs> no. They could definitely okay. play somebody so else. So the guy has, like, a discipline. The coach has a, a accountability and discipline issue. He definitely has accountability and discipline Tell issues. Tell me why the Chicago Bears have a beautiful parallel to this. Last Which is why I think you and I will support each other's yeah. team to a T. Because there's a lot. Of, we were talking about they should fire the coach. I'm like, that's exactly what Arsenal yeah. should do. They should fire the coach yesterday. So listen to this story. Last year, as in 2020, the Chicago Bears played the, the New Orleans Saints twice. Yeah. The New Orleans Saints have this cornerback or a defensive back, somebody who plays the wide receiver and the receivers and stops them from catching the yeah. balls, who famously is one of the best shit talkers in years <laughs> to come out. And he's only been in the league three years now. Yeah. Two years last year. So the games they played, he had only been in two years. Yeah. His num- name is Ch- Chance, Chance Gardner Johnson or something yeah. like that. And he played against the Bears wide receivers. During the first game, uh, one of the Bears wide receivers threw a punch at him and got ejected out of the game. <laughs> Even though he had been warned that, like, <gasps> just let anything this guy says go. Yeah. He's going to let try it get, to get to you. under your skin. Yeah. Don't let it get to you. So nah. they're like, nah. Like, this guy, the the Bears player who punched him yeah. was a scrub, dude. He's, like, third on the death chart. Like, a backup to the backup. Like, yeah. He still did it, right? He had found his one or two plays of play. Yeah. And he was out there. And the dude was like, I'm gonna fuck your mama. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he said, but he said something. It that, was like, enough to get riled up. It was enough to get him riled up. He did that. One, this was like week three. Yeah. It's an 18, 17 week season. We're in the playoffs. The Bears meet the Saints in the playoffs. Again. Again. And they're, the Bears are telling their wide receiver room, 
yo please like, do not please listen to this guy don't let this guy get under your skin and they have <laughs> two guys in that game that picked a fight with him so either the bears wide receivers cannot take orders or this saints cornerback is just a really good shit talker yeah yeah exactly exactly and the like fans were calling on the bears head coach like cut that guy like he's a scrub anyways and he's yeah. out there disrespecting you as a head coach 100 like, percent. like you're a third stringer you have to do like follow every rule 100 like, never be late yeah. like you don't you can't you want to be on this team you earned your one yeah you can't afford more. to be that douchebag you know and here he here is this guy two games in he's done this one in the regular season yeah. one in the playoffs he was get still on the team, the team next year get his ass off he the was team. still on the team next year well so he that he had like the head coach for the bears has that like loyalty loyalty to his players to a fault where he can't hold them accountable no man arsenal had the same thing arsenal had the same thing yeah uh last year against our uh rivals our north london rivals and our, our rivals in in history tottenham uh dude want- tottenham is your rivals yeah damn this i have to think about things now. oh no <laughs> <laughs> so tottenham are our rivals and what happened is our captain after granted chaka that guy I explained to you got you know, said fuck off to the own fans and yeah, put middle put middle fingers up and took his jersey off. You should actually watch the clip. It's I, fucking I know, I it's want to. fascinating. Yeah. To watch an entire stadium boom one guy and he rips his jersey off. Have you He's ever like, watched the Meta World Peace one where he fought with like half a basketball stadium? <laughs> no, but I don't He went into like row twelve and was throwing punches. Good for Meta World Peace. Really, really keep it really keep it to his name. Um but our so our our captain after that that we named like okay this is going to be our new captain is pierre america Aubameyang, who obama young yeah oh okay very very good player yeah on his day he got named captain however this guy is the epitome of what arsenal is today which is all flash all looks no skill all flash no sizzle right so he's to to be fair he is a very good player um arguably one of the best in the world on his day which is saying something. I mean, he is fucking talented. He, however, has the problem of always caring about how he looks and how he dresses. And I mean, Arsenal get called Drip FC now because of like all, all you guys players have like him. Yeah, all you yeah. guys have is shiny players in a shiny stadium in a shiny uniform. But you guys are dog shit. Y'all so. have that shit record. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he showed up late in his Lamborghini to the Tottenham game showed up late to the biggest game yeah, of the, the fucking of the season year. and he showed up late in his Lamborghini so the coach did what anybody would do which is not play him and in the post-match interview there was it was this was during COVID last year you could hear him leaving the stadium early in the Lamborghini oh hell no like they're asking the coach like hey so we understand you dropped Aubameyang uh, what was that all about? And he goes, it was just a discipline order. And you can hear him revving the engine because there's nobody in the stadium because it was during COVID. You can hear vroom, vroom. Juan, Juan had to take a very long pee, which I heard from the other room. Juan, how'd that pee feel? 
Tell that Pinot Grigio and South Blanc. Yeah, we we did have a lot of wine tonight. Uh, yellow coming in, yellow coming out. So closing statement for Arsenal and the Bears. A lot of perils between both teams. Both historically good teams. Both were there from the very beginning yeah, of the establishments. Like both very mediocre in the last couple of years. Both from large, extremely important cities in the countries where they're from. Both arguably some of the worst fan bases in their league that they're in. No doubt. Arsenal, one of the worst fan bases in the world. Um, I think you support Arsenal because when you lose so much, it is that much sweeter when you win. That sounds beautiful. Closing statement for the Bears. (sighs) The Bears have this rich, incredible history of amazing players, semi-decent meathead-like head coaches. (laughs) Semi-decent. That have sometimes stumbled their way onto really amazing seasons and really fun wins. Um, like it. But as far as a closing statement for why you should follow, follow the current day Bears, I would say uh, the new Bears have a really incredible defense currently where it's just creating opportunistic fun plays after opportunistic fun plays. And they have a 21st century quarterback who's, I don't want to say as athletic and, yeah, as athletic as a Lamar Jackson, but maybe he's like one or a notch and a half down from that, where he's hyper athletic. He's a 21st century quarterback, and he just looks like he's ready to bring the Bears into the 21st century. So I would say that. That would be the main selling point on so I think we why both I have watching them. We <laughs> both have similar aspects of, you know, Arsenal with the young boys from the academy and the Bears with uh, Justin Fields is uh, really young players who could probably make a really big dent in the league if they were to get a good coach behind them. So yeah, let's hope for both of our sake they let's cross uh, our fingers. Let's cross our fingers. Um, closing segment is. A, uh, I, I'd be really interested in a food segment. So I think from here on out, starting this week, we will uh, start a food of the week item that you can make from home that one of us actually makes on a regular basis. So one of my favorite breakfast items is to take a sweet potato. You sl- you peel it with a uh, potato peeler. Raw? Or Raw. Cook? Raw. You uh, cut it into very, it's called a julienne cut, but you end up essentially cutting it like if you were cutting very thin french fries. You take a pan, put it on medium heat, throw a little bit of olive oil in there, and then you only really need about half the sweet potato. So throw in the sweet potato until it's like a nice cooked, like golden brown, almost looks burnt because it's sweet potato and olive oil. Are you looking for a... Crispy you want that shit or... to be crispy. Okay. So in another pot, while you do this, you want to have water boiling and you want to actually poach an egg. So the key to poaching an egg is adding a like a, like a couple spoonfuls of white vinegar to the water before you boil it and a couple of uh, shakes of salt before you poach an egg. So I usually crack two eggs in there. So once the water is boiling, let the potatoes cool down, put them on a plate. It really only takes a couple, like a minute or two to poach an egg after the water is boiling. 
so poach the egg, drain the water, put the egg on top of the sweet potatoes. Then you take an avocado, cut that in half. Damn, that also does something. Slice it diagonally twice so that you get those perfect, perfect avocado squares. Scoop that out with a tablespoon, put that on top. Then you just finish it off with a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and some cinnamon, actually. And you have a fantastic dish, which is composed of sweet potato, some poached eggs, avocado, and the cinnamon really adds a nice bitterness from the saltiness of the, uh, obviously salt, but like the sweet potatoes are so sweet. It's a fantastic breakfast dish that has a lot of carbs. Uh, not that much protein, but it's still very good. And, uh, some avocado in there. And I mean, all the, all the calories you're eating in that are pretty freaking clean. Right. Exactly. You're not eating a very heavy French toast dish in the morning. You're just eating some light carbs. You're not having 12 pancakes. (laughs) Which we've all done on occasion. (laughs) No Uh, judging, you know? Yeah. So that, that is uh, a dish that I make and I really recommend. And so with that, um, Juan, any, uh, closing statements? Um, get out there, you know, if you have a pond around you and you see any goldfish, make sure you fish those the fuck out of there and throw them away when you're done. Exactly. And, uh, for, uh, the sake of our teams, uh, let's hope they fire, uh, our coaches and we start fresh. So fuck Matt Nagy. Hashtag fire Matt Nagy. Uh, hashtag fire Matt Nagy. Hashtag Arteta out. Hashtag Arteta out. Hashtag Arteta out. Hashtag, uh... I was not gonna say the last thing. I was gonna say something really horrible, and I'm glad I did it. Uh, with that being said, uh, thank you all so much for listening, and have a great rest of your week.